Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Weston Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. Hey, open your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 7. And to the angel, whoops, wrong one, sorry. (laughs) I did start to do last week, sorry. They all start out the same way. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast that you, that what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's bow our heads together. Our Heavenly Father, I I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that that is your word. Father, let us open our hearts to to this time. It's wonderful to be able to come and to worship you. But as as you return something to us, Father, let our hearts be open for it. Father, hide me behind the cross. Let them not see me. Let Let them see the face of Jesus but let them hear your words. And Father, I pray this in your most precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Please leave those, leave those Bibles open. You know, um, Church of Philadelphia, um, it's the sixth church in this study. And, and out of the seven churches, which we'll include next week, um, there are two churches where the Lord finds no fault. Um, both of the churches have gone through persecution um, and haven't knuckled under the, to the persecution. You need to understand that. A lot of the churches that the Lord found fault with were receiving persecutions, but, persecution, but they knuckled under to it for a lot of various reasons. They brought false doctrine into the church to appease the world around them. Um, all of those things, the Lord finds fault in. He knows. He knows when a church is going through, through persecution, and he understands what we face every day in, in the churches who are persecuted. Philadelphia is the second 
of, of the churches that, that the Lord finds no fault in. The first one was, was Smyrna. Um, and, and in both of them, in both of those two that receive the persecution and the Lord is not finding fault with them, um, in, in both of them we see the synagogue of Satan for those who claim to be Jews but are not. Um, where, this is where the persecution um, in, in those churches are coming from. Um, out of the five churches, um, including next week's, in all that Jesus has found wrong with them, pay attention to this, in all those, those five churches where, where the Lord has found fault with them, he's commanded something to them. And that, and that is this, repent. Repent. And, and it, you see, it, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you've brought false doctrine into the churches, if you're leading people astray. It does not remember. But you do understand what repent means, right? It doesn't mean I'm sorry. Repent means that if you're heading in this direction, you do a 180 and you head in the opposite direction. You, you, you repent for what you've done. If you have been leading people astray or if you are... are um, if, if a false doctrine is being taught, get rid of it and you start heading back in, in the right direction. Listen, <laughs> repentance. This isn't just for the churches. Sometimes we, we don't think that the churches need to repent. Believe me, churches need to repent. Um, and, but in our own lives, our own lives. It, it matters not what, what you've done in your life. There, there, is, there is no one that can say, hey, listen, Pastor, you don't know what I've done in my life. Well, you're right, I don't. And I don't care what you've done in your life. You pull the 180, and you go in the opposite direction, and, and you pray to the Lord for forgiveness of anything that you've ever done. Guys, and he is faithful to forgive us our sins. He's faithful to do that. There is nothing that, that you could do that he's going to say, hey, listen, I don't mind this, but wow, what you did? Uh-uh. No, that, that never enters into it, guys. Remember that. Remember that. You see, I want you to pay attention to something here in, in the Church of Philadelphia and how Jesus um, describes himself. Um, have you ever heard somebody called, being called, someone who is holier than thou? Have you ever heard somebody, it's usually somebody when they're criticizing someone else for their, for their Christian activity, or maybe because they, they run around and, and uh, you know, if you stand still long enough, they're going to tell you about Jesus. If they're just excited about what Christ does in their lives, um, what, what people will say a lot of times when they, when they see him coming, they'll say, wow, that person is holier than thou. Or, and it's not meant in a nice way. It means that they're looking at him and they, think that they're a st- they, they feel like that person thinks they're a step above anybody else. And that's not true. It's, you know, and honestly, I can't call on you, myself, um, to, be, to be holy. Um, Jesus says in, in this scripture that I read today, this is how he's describing himself. He says, he who is holy and he who is true. Um, 1 Peter 1.15 says that, but 
as he who called you to be holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So Jesus can say that, you know, because he is holy. I, I could tell you to be good. I could tell you to be good. But guys, Jesus Christ calls on me to be holy. And he can do that because he is holy. And he calls on you to be holy. And, and when we think about, well, what, do I, what am I to be, to be holy? What, what do I have to do? Do I have to say the right things and, and, and say the right things, do the right things, um, uh, never lose my temper? Is that what it... No. Being holy is being set apart. Is being set apart for the purpose of, of the Lord. That's, that's really what, what that is all about. He calls you to be, to be holy, to be, to, to be set apart. Huh. To be set apart. And, and so when, when you think of it that way, you think about your, your relationship with Jesus Christ and what that means in your life. You see, to be, to be saved, to be set apart means that there's going to be a change in your, in your life. You've, you've um, read the scripture before um, that, that says um, that when Christ comes into us, when the Holy Spirit indwells us, when we accept Jesus as, as our Lord and Savior, that he creates in us a new creation. There's a new creation here. That is not just words that bounce off the wall. Um, that, that, and it doesn't mean that. It's very, very serious. It says that when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's going to be a change in your life. You're not going to be the person that, that you used to be. You see, you can't, you can't show up on a Sunday morning and, and go to church and, and, and you know, put, on, put on the air and then Monday morning go back to the way you were or in some cases Sunday afternoon and, and go back to the way you were. You can't, you, you can't come in and, 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 to, and to act holy, act holy, and then go watch the football game this afternoon and cuss your brains out because your team is losing. There's a change. There's a change. And, and, and guys, I, I, you know, that's something that, that, that people don't quite get a lot of times. That, that, that what Jesus will do in your life is he'll make you that, that new creation. But there's, there is something in the church, in each church so far, in each one that I've done up to this point, there's something in each church that has grabbed my attention. And, and this one is, is no different. And, but this one, right in the very beginning, it seems that, that Jesus is talking about doors. Um, he's talking about open doors and closed doors and having the key. And, and, and he's spoken of it in, in a couple of different verses. And, and the thing is, is that as he talks about this, the two of these are not related. They're not, they're not related. They mean different, they mean different things. Um, one has nothing to do with the other. Christ, and, and let me start with the first one, where it says he holds the key of, of David. Um, and, and what he holds, or, or what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. And, and Christ has set an open door before the church that, that, no, one, that no one can shut. So, so where does, I want to be able to explain to you 
why Jesus is, is using that term of holding the key of David and, and that he has the door that he can open and no one can shut and he can shut it and no, no one will, will open it. In order to do that, um, I'm going to go back for just a moment and, and read um, verse uh, 7b where, where he says, He who has the key of David, who, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and, and no one opens. Um, we have to go back to Isaiah to understand what Jesus is talking about in, in Revelation with this. And if we go back, and we will, and so I would say open your Bibles to Isaiah 22, um, 20 through 23. And I'll, I'll preface it by saying that, that Isaiah is referring to an individual of his time named Shebna. Um, Shebna was, he had charge of the palace of the Judean king. Um, today, we might call Shebna a chief of staff, okay? Kind of get an idea who, who Shebna was. Now, let, let's go back to Isaiah 22, or, yeah, Isaiah 22, starting in verse 20. Eh, it's up there anyway. Um, where it says this, and then it shall be in that day that I will call my, service, my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of David. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. Shebna had fallen out of the favor of God, and, and so God was putting in his place um, Eliakim, and he was allowing him, he was taking the key of David to... To, to lay on his shoulder. In other words, the Lord was changing chiefs of staff here. You see, Isaiah said the Lord would replace Shebna um, with a man named Eliakim, and the Lord would place the sh- on his shoulder the key of the house of David. What that opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Thus, thus, Eliakim would be a kind of gatekeeper. Okay? Eliakim, or as Shebna was, they were um, the, a, gate, a gatekeeper with the power to control entry into the royal kingdom. You want to see the king? You got to go through Shebna, or you need to be able to go through and now talk to Eliakim. Um, as a king's steward, he would decide he would decide who was going to see the king and who could and who he could come who could come into the presence of the king okay do we we got that we understand that that part okay so why should Jesus use the example of Shedna and Eliakim to describe himself guys this is vital. This is vital to your life, to your existence. See, Jesus holds the key, 
And he is the door to the kingdom of God. That's why he's saying this. There's a scripture that holds on this, and it's, it's John 14, 6. And, and you'll see this. John 14, 6. Yeah, there it is. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, um, that's a scripture I use a lot in, in, uh, in memorial services or funeral services. And, and it follows that, that beginning of, of, of chapter 14, 1 through 5, where, where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, if it weren't true, um, I would have told you that. And where I go, you know. He says, I go to prepare. In my Father's house are many mansions. Do you, do you recall this? You recall this? But then at the end of, of those five verses comes chapter 6. And, and uh, he says, this is after um, uh, the disciples say, wait a minute, I'm not sure where, you, where you're going. How are we supposed to know how to get there? And he says this. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody. You know, and there hasn't been another version put out, guys. It hasn't, there isn't another version out there that says, well, there's a lot of different ways of getting to heaven. That, that you hear from the world. That you hear from, from movie stars and, and uh, presidents and all those who say, hey, there's all different ways of getting to heaven. They are flat out 100% lying to you. Lying. Lying. One way. One way only. If you're going to come into the presence of the Father, you have to know that Jesus Christ holds the key. There is no other way there. None. And But you see, the message, that message right there, is, is getting all turned around today, and it's getting turned around today in political correctness, um, in, in coexistence. Coexistence. Okay? Different ways of getting to heaven. Listen, I, I'm always... I used to be I'd see it a lot, but nowadays I don't see it as much, but I still see them out there. This, this bumper sticker that says, Coexistence. That's fine. It's fine. If you want to worship a tree, go worship a tree. But don't make me have to do that. Do you get this? Coexistence is okay as long as it does not infringe upon the message and that message right there. You see, that's a problem that we have today. And and it's, it's where we've headed. We've got... Guys... We have church leaders, national leaders, church leaders, those that we have trusted for years. We've read their books, we've done their studies and everything else, and somewhere along the line, in the spirit of coexistence, they have taken the cross and they've taken Jesus Christ and they've thrown him under the bus so that we can all get along. It's a lie. It's a lie. And where does that lie come from? Satan. Satan. 
That's where it comes from. Satan does not have to look like some red devil. He doesn't have to look like he's evil. He can look beautiful. And and he can say beautiful things. We'll all get along. We'll all get along. Why, we all worship the same God. No, we don't. No, we don't. You've watched the the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., which is an Episcopal cathedral. Open their church. Open the sanctuary for Muslim prayers. And, of course, they, they face to the side. That way, they're not offended by the cross. Just recently, Duke, Duke was, they've, they've allowed Muslim prayers in, in the Duke Chapel for, for years, but then they were going to broadcast it over the tower sound system so that the Muslim prayers could, would go over the campus and they would know that we're so inclusive. I hate to tell you this, but, but Duke is where, one of, the, one of the, the schools where the United Methodists have their seminary. Listen, the Koran states many, many times, many times, that if you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, you're going to hell. Do we worship the same God? Oh, I'm looking for a response here. Are we, look, are we worshiping the same God? You see, Jesus Christ holds the key to the door he holds the key to open the door that you could come before the Father, that you could ever get into heaven. And we can, we can say we don't need Jesus? That doesn't work that way. It's a lie. Guys, don't fall for this stuff. In, in, to be politically correct, don't, don't fall for that. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to take anybody's right away of, of, of worshiping Allah or, or worshiping something else. I'm not, no. But if you, you know, look back in Scripture to, to the Jews. Look at how God felt when, when the Jews allowed uh, uh, worship to Baal in the, in the temple. How did he take that? Not very good. He didn't like it. He didn't like it at all. And it, doesn't, it, isn't, it didn't happen real long either. Guess what? It ain't going to happen real long here either. It's not. You see, folks, I, 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 I see this stuff happening and I'm just, I am absolutely amazed. I, I, I knew it was coming. I mean, it's in Scripture. It tells us that, that, that it's coming, but I just can't believe it. I can't believe it when I see it. I can't believe that people who, who are clergy, who, on a national level, and, and take down the cross off their church, take the cross out, out of the sanctuary, um, uh, and, and, and throw Jesus under the bus, because we don't want to offend somebody? Wow. See... The scripture tells us that in the last days there will be a falling away. And, and folks, you're witnessing it today. You're witnessing it. 
Yeah. But um, what does that mean for you? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for Trinity? You know, this is happening all around us. It is. I've talked to you before about, about churches that are tickling ears because people just don't want to hear the truth. Well, all of this, what does that mean? Well, <laughs> um, what do we do? We, do, we don't tuck our tails and run, guys. When all of this is going on in the world, and we don't tuck our tails and run, and, and, and we don't fall into a fetal position and, and cry mama, you know? We don't. We stay faithful. Amen. Go to verse 8 in what, I, what I've, I've read before here. Verse 8. Well, if I can get it here. In verse 8 it says, this is Christ. He says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Now, I'll tell you what. There's, there's no condemnation here, because he says, I, I know what you're going through. I know what you're doing. But you know, in all that is going on around you, you have not denied me. And if you want to know the truth... There's a lot of churches out there today and, and, and big, big, big and little. And I, I don't know. I mean, there, there's all kinds of them. They're denying his name. You can't do that. You see, there may be a, a great falling away. There may be. But it's not going to happen here. Okay? Can, can, I, can I get an amen on that? There is not going to, it's not going to happen here. It is not going to be by us. The Lord has not hung a no-vacancy sign on salvation. Just because the world is is spinning out of control, because people are are denying the name of Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation, doesn't mean that that, that it takes away all our possibilities, and it doesn't. It, It doesn't. You see, the fact is, there is an open door that no one can shut. And, and no one, no one is going to shut that door. No one is going to. We have to realize that in the end days that there is, there's going to be an, an awesome, poss- awesome possibilities. Listen, I realize that Scripture tells us that, that in these end days there's going to be a great falling away. Let me tell you something. In order for there to be a great falling away means that they had to be there in the first place to fall away. He's not talking about secular uh, society. He's talking about the churches. Talking about the churches. You had to be someplace before you... I have to be on this stage in order to fall off this stage, okay? We got it? That's what he's talking about. And if we do not deny his names, he is going to open the door for us to do what he has called us, he's called us to do. What you're seeing today, or what you're seeing happening today, is, is what, folks, I'll tell you what, this is stuff you've heard about all your life, all your Christian life. You have heard that these days were coming, and now it's here. 
now it's here. It's here. But, but you see what that does? That puts an urgency into these messages. It, it, turn, it puts an urgency on, on, on your life and on what you share in, in your life. You know, um, you know, it's usually the case, though. When there is an urgency, and all the people say, there's an urgency to, to, to the message, then everybody looks around at each other and they say, you know, somebody ought to do something about it. Hmm, somebody ought to do something about it. And you're right. Somebody should do something about it. Somebody should. The door is open, folks. The door that the Lord is opening for the church that is going to be faithful. The church that will not deny his name. He is going to set before that church, just as he did the church of Philadelphia. He set that church, he set before that church an open door. And what was that open door? That open door was the door of evangelism. It was a door to show the light of Jesus Christ into a community. And that open door happened to the church that was faithful. You're right. Somebody needs to do something about it. But, lo- but, the, but the door is open, guys. And, and, and you and I, we need to step through that door. We need to not be afraid of, of that open door. We don't need to be afraid of what's on the other side because we're in the hand of God. And if God opened up a door for us, folks, he wants us to step through it. And he wants us to do something with that open door. But you say, hey, pastor, wait a minute here. I know what you're saying here, but I'm not an evangelist. Yeah, that's, you're probably right. You're not. You're not an evangelist. And I never asked you to be. I never asked you to be an evangelist. All I've ever asked you to do was to love somebody enough to bring them to church. And that's really, that's really what this is all about. Love someone enough to bring them to church and to show them Jesus in your life. That makes you the evangelist. If that's what it is, then that's what you are. But it, it, really, it really doesn't mean that you're standing on a street corner, thumping your Bible, screaming at the top of your lungs. It's, it's not saying that, that you have to be that person that everybody looks at and says, wow, there's that one, that she's holier or he's holier than thou. Stay away from him. No, that's not what this is all about. This is about you knowing somebody. That, that, that if you went out to eat at a restaurant and really liked it, you'd tell your friend about it. And if you're here and, and if you believe in, in the healing power of Jesus Christ, if you look around us and you see what, what kind of shape this world is in and your neighbor is sitting there and they don't, they just they, they think about it. How would you like to be in this world today and, and not know Christ? Wow. How bad can it be? And how bad is it going to get? It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Folks, all you need to do is to love that person enough just to ask them to come with you. Pile them in the car. Today would have been a good day. You wouldn't have had to buy them lunch. You just take them over here and let them eat. 
But you know, you know, you gotta, you gotta love them. Flip over in your Bibles to Isaiah again. I like Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 8, I'm sorry, Isaiah 6, 8. He says, I, I also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. Send me. Folks, don't don't refuse. Don't refuse that open door. The other day on on uh, uh, on Thursday, um, we went to went to Lakeland, and I went to this restaurant. It was called Two J's, T O O J A Y S, um, New York style deli. It was out of this world. I ain't kidding you, man. I had a hot hot pastrami sandwich that'd knock your hat off, and and it was great. Wow. Do you see how easy that was? See how easy it was? If I love you enough, and I'd tell you about two J's, I love you enough to say, you know, you need to come to church with me. I don't have the answers. But but the Lord does. The Lord does. And and folks, it is that easy. It is that easy. If I could tell you about two J's, I could tell you about Trinity. And it's, it, it means that. Folks, the churches that are, that are preaching the word are, are becoming more and more scarce. And, and as long as you've got one here, you might as well take advantage of it. You, better, you need to believe in, in the word of God because everybody's getting away from it. It's outdated. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, I, I dare to disagree with that one. I dare to disagree. Folks, at one point or another, a door was opened to you. A door was opened to you. Folks, think about opening that door or walking through that door for somebody else. It isn't just about us. It's about everybody around us. It's about those that you consider friends, those that you consider loved ones, family members, all of them. You know, it, it, it doesn't mean they're going to laugh in your face. It doesn't mean that, and you don't have to be obnoxious. You just got to say, Two J's was the best restaurant I've been in a long, long time. Trinity's the best church we've been in and I can't remember when. See how simple that really is when you think about it. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day, this time together, to know that, Lord, as we open your word, that your word is absolute truth from the beginning to the end, and that it is relevant in today's life.
And as we watch what's going on in this world around us, as, as we see what is happening, when we open our Bible and, and it looks like the, the evening newspaper, Lord, it's time we woke up because what you have told us, what you have prophesied is happening, is going to happen, is happening right around us. But Lord, that doesn't mean that we're closing the churches. It means that we need, that there's an urgency in this message. And, and Father, I, I just pray that every heart that is here will take that message to heart. It's your message. So Lord, be with us. Comfort our hearts in the indecision that we might have in being able to step out. Father, comfort us in all of this. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.